Welcome to another episode of the AbilityNet podcast. Disability, technology, inclusion. I'm your host, Robin Christofferson, Head of Digital Inclusion at AbilityNet, a pioneering UK charity with a mission to make a digital world accessible to all. You can download a transcript of this episode from www.abilitynet.org.uk slash podcast. So sit back, grab your favourite beverage and let's get started. Well, we are back for another AbilityNet podcast, and this is another one in the series where we uh, interview, chat with the T4G, Tech for Good Award winners. And I'm really chuffed to have two amazing guys from Microsoft on this time, because yes, they are winners, and we're going to talk about what category they won in and what you know project or product it was that was a winning uh, entry in a moment. But first of all, I think I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves, if that's okay, um, because you'll do a much better job than me. So, Michael, do you want to go first? Okie dokie. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, my name is Michael Vermeer. I'm Microsoft's Accessibility Go-To-Market Manager. My work is about closing the disability divide, making sure that our products and services are accessible. And this requires a focus on skills, awareness, and workplace culture. Uh, my name is John Helmers. I'm a designer at Microsoft. Um, I'm actually in Azure, um, and we'll get more. Um, we'll, we'll get to some more detail there. Uh, but incredibly passionate about uh, accessibility, everything around accessibility, because my youngest daughter. Um, Yara has cerebral palsy, and um, that's actually why I'm um, so passionate about the space and been working uh, with Michael as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much, both. We should probably do another whole show on Azure and the cloud, because that's definitely in the future. Um, so, yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much, both, for coming on. Now, the first cheesy question that I always put to every um, interviewee that comes on the show is what hot or cold beverage have you got to help you through? Uh, I've just got a, a normal cup of tea, uh, builder's tea, um, with me here. Uh, Michael, what have you got? So I've got some uh, flavoured cold water, which uh, I, I've, I've read some research that uh, drinking cold water in the morning and throughout the day burns more calories because uh, apparently you need to heat your body. So, so that's me. <laughs> Fantastic. John? I think it's a great question because you made me very aware of how much coffee I drink. So uh, I went with sparkling water. Let's see how that goes. Uh, but uh, yeah, in general, drink a lot of water as well. So I guess that um, that uh, blends the uh, the caffeine intake a bit. Well, you guys have uh, put me to shame, I think, really, on the health <laughs> point of view anyway. Um, fantastic. Okay, let's talk about uh, why you're here, which is... Um, winning uh, T4G, Tech for Good Awards category. And this was for your adaptive devices. Um, okay, first of all, what was it like for you and your team to win a T4G award? I don't know who would like to jump in on that one. 
I, I, uh, I'm sure, I mean, this, this should be definitely uh, something for John. Uh, um, but I, I also got uh, some feelings about it. So, John, you, it looked like you wanted to go first. I'm very excited. Um, yes. It was it was really amazing, I have to say. Um, um, being nominated is already really cool, and um, winning um, with such a lineup, I think, is 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 pretty amazing. I think there were some really cool water innovations in the space, and um, it's um, well, blase or I don't know. You say like they're all winners, like you say that, but like I really, honestly do feel like that, right? There are some amazing um, candidates. Um, the Tongue interface work Tongo. Um, I thought that was that was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, also the the smart cushion um, and and many more. I think. It's uh, it's amazing to see the breadth of innovation from um, the people that were listed, and um, it's really nice to see so much innovation across um, so many different fields. Um, and um, yeah, again, amazing to win, and I I, I think um, we need to keep pushing um, everywhere we can. We're doing that in our industry. Um, the team was absolutely um, yeah. It's it's really nice to win <laughs> to win the award uh, <laughs> with that. So um, yeah, it's it's awesome. Fantastic, and we're really chuffed that an organisation the size and global reach and impact as Microsoft is 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 chuffed to win a Tech for Good award. <laughs> That's really really good. So yeah, I mean, well, on that on Robin, if I if I can interrupt here, I mean. Yeah. There, there is that thing, you know, as a as an organization, as a global organization, we'll, we'll always produce products, but you know, it's it's important to do this with the community to be inclusive and to get that input from the disability community, and and when we do this, there's then always more opportunity to do more, and and this this award that that recognition that we then got. That kind of shows that we hit the benchmark, that we're on the right track, that we hit something which is right. Because, you know, it has to come from the community, that that feedback. And and in these days and these times, our leaders are continuously faced with decisions, what to do, what not to do, mm-hmm. where to invest in, where not to invest in. And getting feedback like this, like these awards, that confirms that our leaders are on the right track and that reinforces our mission statement to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. And if you bring that then a level down to the real heroines or heroes like John, (laughs) again, they got so much to do, right? And they don't know when they go into this route, they don't know where it's going to go. You know, they might be successful, they might not be successful. That takes courage and then being rewarded for that journey of resilience because I'm sure there were, John hit blockers there, right? (laughs) So that resilience, that courage, the right focus, at that point, I think it's really key to have those awards. And and in that sense, yeah, that that is just amazing then to to, to get there and and just encourage us to 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 do more right stuff. Yeah, and, and just to chime in there as well, I think uh, absolutely couldn't agree more. Um, 
but also, um, you know, helping them reach our target group, right? And um, making uh, more people aware about the possibilities mm -hmm. of all these technologies, um, you know, that were lined up in the category. Um, you know, what you do there is, is awesome, creating that awareness and um, in the end, helping people across so many different fields to, you know, find what it is that works for them. Um, because in the end, that's what we do, why we do what we do, right? Like it has to empower people, like Michael is saying, to achieve things they deemed impossible without that technology. And I think that should be at the essence of everything we do today in this space. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that's. Um, yeah, that's absolutely. great. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy to push in a, you know, to drive through an agenda that really embraces uh, inclusivity and goes that extra mile because, you know, this, these are tough times, uh, you know, financial climate, etc. Hmm. And it really speaks to the culture and the leadership within Microsoft. You know, it's a very different Microsoft under Satya um, in these last however many years it is now. And it's brilliant that you guys have got the breadth albeit that you may have to battle for, <laughs> I don't know, um, to produce such brilliant products. So let's talk about the actual products that, that you won a, an award for. So these the range of accessible, I mean, adaptive accessories. Um, so for people who aren't aware, what are we talking about? Who'd like to kind of give us a lowdown on what you've been yeah. working on? I can, I can go. Um, so, um, yeah, so the, the Microsoft adaptive accessories are actually a, a highly adaptable ecosystem um, that lets you customize your computer input, basically. So it's a family of different devices with, I would say, a range of customization opportunities, right? So the accessories exist of the Microsoft adaptive mouse, that comes with a uh, standard tail um, that can be orientated and set up for both left and right handedness. Um, we then also have the Microsoft Adaptive Hub, um, which is a standard hub to connect to your computer device, but also lets you take, um, you know, whatever existing uh, assistive technology that you might have, like buttons using 3.5 millimeter jack plugs, Etc. So it's providing that opportunity as well. And then next to that, we have three different types of um, adaptive buttons. And those adaptive buttons can be used both wirelessly and wired with the hub. Again, creating a wealth of customization possibilities for your computer input. So it's obviously not purely about the physical things, right? Like the mouse, the hub, and the buttons, but there's actually a wealth of customization opportunity once you connect these things to the computer and how you can set them up, right? So you can completely customize in software what you want these things to do. These buttons, whether that's the Microsoft Adaptive buttons, the new buttons, or whether that's a button that you might already have. Um, in software, you can then actually tweak exactly what you want those buttons or button to do. Uh, opening applications, creating macros, so a sequence of actions, uh, opening uh, web pages. Um, think about copy paste, creating shortcuts like that. Um, but also uh, advanced possibilities for mouse. For example, 
increasing the um, uh, DPI on a map, so the speed of movement or slowing it down, depending on you know exactly what it is that you need. Um, so there's a lot of modification possibilities in software that we believe is quite powerful. And then to go that extra mile, you can actually also, with 3D printing, customize the physical adaption between, or the adapter, I have to say, between um, what it is that you need, your hand, um, even your foot maybe, your chin, um, and that button or that mouse. So you can really customize the accessories with 3D printed extensions um, to further optimize it for what it is that you need. Um, and we've worked with um, Shapeways, global leader in 3D printing, to uh, already offer a range of different 3D printed adaptations um, that people can uh, can choose from. Brilliant. So adaptable, so uh, customizable, including, you know, programming and software, etc. I wonder if there'll be you know, mainstream take up of these like they were with the adaptive games controller, which was helping people, you know, get higher PBs, personal best scores and that sort of thing. Because what's good for people with more extreme needs can make a device or a, you know, product extremely usable for for everyone else as well. So have you had any data on the kind of take up more broadly as well? Absolutely, Robin. I think I think what you're saying is is absolutely spot on. So this can really empower anyone to be more productive, right? And I think that is also, when you think about why we designed the products like we designed them, to have this customization adaptation possibility, but you can go as far with that as as you want to, basically. You can use it as a shortcut control Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in kind of any regular setup as well, if you wanted to, opening applications, uh, uh, starting video, uh, stopping video, like uh, use it as a shortcut tool in your favorite um, uh, design application or uh, a video editing tool, uh, which by the way, I've seen people already, um, you know, set up there as well. Um, so yes, I couldn't agree more. So it's, it's a system that anyone can benefit from, but you can customize both physically and digitally as much as you want, basically. Yeah. Even someone who's, you know, entering MIDI music live, um, from a keyboard and they could use a foot pedal to, to stop and start recording or whatever it might be. They're just, the options are, are endless. So you mentioned about designing, the design process. So what, what is involved in designing these um, groundbreaking products and kind of testing them um, before you, you know, end up with the finished product? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know how long we have. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I, um, I mean, it involves a lot of people. Um, it, it involves commitment. It involves, um, passion from a company. And I think, you know, at Microsoft, um, there's an amazing opportunity to follow your passion. Um, And that's actually how this work started as well. So um, I think in the introduction, I I can't exactly recall how I introduced myself, but (laughs) I think I did mention my daughter, Yara. She is um, seven years old now. She has cerebral palsy. 
And that's actually how this work started for me and, and my involvement um, in this work. Um, so Microsoft allows um, its employees to um, hack on projects that you feel passionate about every year during the hackathon. And this was something that I started hacking uh, on uh, in one of these hackathons where I saw the struggles that Yara had to uh, operate a normal mouse uh, with her computer. And um, having made 3D printed orthotics before for her, to me, it felt like this is not rocket science. It's like there's a mismatch between the environment and the technology here. And how can we solve that with, um, you know, a 3D printed orthotic-like extension that I'll add to Yara's mouse? Um, because her fingers were continuously sliding off the mouse and she would um, continuously trigger the mouse itself because she has uh, involuntary movement. She's got light spasm. Um, so creating that shell and connecting that to the mouse created this dampening um, effect that had an amazing impact on how she could then actually use the uh, computer and use the mouse for the first time very effectively. Um, and I think it kind of started with uh, with that idea. Um, now, Microsoft has a wealth of history when it comes to accessibility. We have the Xbox Adaptive Controller. We have a lot of solutions in software. Um, so there's a very passionate and dedicated team already, um, you know, developing um, a lot of very innovative uh, features and products in this space. Um, so we, after the hackathon, actually teamed up with that with that team, um, and um, yeah, it's it's been an amazing ride. Um, a lot of passionate people coming together across, um, you know, the company and, and so many different geographies as well. And actually, in the midst of a pandemic, um, it's amazing how all these technologies enable us to do these things um, and um, enabled us to. Um, quite literally developed this product over the last, um, you know, two and a half years. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, it should start with end users. You know, there's a cliched phrase, nothing about us without us. And, you know, you don't want to be developing products for any minority group without their involvement because it they won't be fit for purpose. They won't be what people need. You know, it won't meet people's needs. So, um yeah, brilliant. And I'm sure that the that you know, there is a range there are a range of, of end users involved in every process, not just with the adaptive accessories, but in developing all Microsoft's products, both hardware and software as well. Because the the you know, if a new Microsoft product comes out, I as a blind person can be uh can rest assured, you know, can be confident that I won't be left behind. So even something like ClipChamp, which is a video editing tool, is 100% accessible for me as a blind user. Um, so Microsoft, you know, massive organization. Um, the potential for what you do to impact people globally, um, as I mentioned before, is just huge. So have you got any idea of the impact that this these you know this range of adaptive accessories is having on end users and i don't know maybe having an impact on industry as a whole because there's absolutely no doubt that you guys are leading the way in uh this area of inclusion and really showing people how important it is to prioritize it 
Yeah, <clears throat> I, I could talk a little bit about that. Um, so the adaptive accessories and are purchasable in all countries which have a Microsoft Store presence. And, uh, and at the time of announcement, that was already 25 countries which were listing these. Uh, so so that, that's, that's quite a lot, and that has mm -hmm. a, a nice global spread, those countries. Uh, and, of course, they are all available via a digital store as well. So, so ultimately, you know, if you can go digital, they are available um i i think we we need still more awareness um especially at the consumer level um and <laughs> i i see i see this every day there's this this the frontline worker needs to know that these things exist that accessibility mm. exists uh the number of times i i get in touch with a disability-focused organization, and they, they're asking about accessibility. And then I ask them, well, who sold you the product in the first place? Did you not ask the, what the accessibility features were of the product? Uh, and it's because often the frontline, the retail, they, they, they don't actually know or come forth automatically, hey, did you know this is how you can do this and uh, this is how you magnify things. This is how you can change the experience on how you uh, manipulate the device, etc. So there's, there's, um, there's still a lot of work to be done. But, but yeah, I mean, we got the availability, but it's still there's still a lot of awareness and uh, to be done there. Yeah. And um, if I may chime in as well, uh, <laughs> I... Um, I think there's some really, really uh, nice examples that I'm kind of experiencing here. Um, and I think I didn't really touch upon that just yet. Um, I've been obviously talking about the hackathon. Um, and Roman, I think you had some great points there where, um, you know, as we've been developing the adaptive accessories, um, we have been interacting with um, a lot of people, um, users of the Xbox adaptive controller, um, and, um, there's been a lot of work of the team going on there in, in Redmond. Um, we have the inclusive tech lab there with, uh, um, Bryce Johnson, Solomon Romney, um, all these people involved with all their experience developing the Xbox adaptive controller. And then, um, I can speak for myself, the development here, as we were developing all these different prototypes and, Think about like um, the amount of models we made. We made like so many models and prototypes. But Roman, what you were saying was so important and so crucial. From day one, every single prototype, every single model traveled to Yara School. Uh, we evaluated with the OTs there, with the kids. Hey, what works? What doesn't? Oh, it needs to be a little bit higher. This needs to be a chamfered off. Then we have um, ergonomists um, in, uh, in Redmond work with us as well to optimize the shapes. Um, obviously, we have those experts working on other product lines as well. So it's the kind of same um, fidelity methods that we're going through as we're developing um, um, other products as well, working with users um, throughout all these stages um, as the product comes alive. What works, what doesn't, iterate, improve, more models, more functionality. And then not just like the hardware aspect, but also the software. 
how can we make the software and what it does more accessible? I think one really nice feature there um, that's quite unique is for the mouse. Like, you know, if we move, if we move our mouse uh, device up, we naturally have the mouse cursor move up. But my hand is, you know, positioned in a certain way relative to my arm. But why is that the same for every single person? Mm-hmm. So we have a really nice feature where you can actually rotate the optical sensor, the orientation in which the mouse cursor moves relative to your body. So really pushing the needle there, really thinking about new innovations, evaluating with users, what do users need um, that we should add to this product? Um, Taking it to the school, all these kind of versions, uh, working with the OTs is absolutely amazing, uh, seeing the direct impact um, of the product there. Obviously, you know, Yara takes the adaptive accessories to school every single day. She has summer break now, so uh, she's using it less now. But uh, normally, school day, it's the basic, um, you know, equipment that she has with her. There's another two kids that use um, Yara's mouse, um, Yara's extension, 3D printed extension. And there's another kid um, who is very limited in movement. And he is using the mouse core at, I was talking about this before, incredibly high DPI. So with a very minimal movement, he is able to move from the bottom right of his screen to the top left. So there's a lot of um, usages that I already see there. Now, beyond that, there's more and more um, usage popping up everywhere. And I'm very excited about that because it's something that um, I want to pick up and uh, speed up on um, sharing more more of those examples of how people are using the um, accessories. Um, There's people in uh, um, the Netherlands who are using um, the accessories for music making. Uh, it's using it as a digital synthesizer, but he's using the um, the extension that Yara has. We have a larger version uh, available for that, and it's kind of limiting the tremors that he has. Um, so there's a lot of really cool examples uh, popping up uh, everywhere. Um, and uh, in order to share more out of those, um, we've also, Yara and I have started a YouTube channel. All right. Uh, more video content, um, sharing all kinds of ways in which the adaptive accessories uh, can be used. And this is something that we would like to pick up in our channel as well. Go to these people, um, see and record how they're using the accessories, and then take that back uh, and create videos and share that with the rest of the world uh, for others to be inspired and learn how you can use the accessories. you there's another element there you were uh you were i felt so close in in your narrative there john is, yeah is, is the encouragement of representation and i just came up with this expression and what do i mean by this is by having the adaptive accessories in the mainstream ready in a shop you see as a disabled person hey tech is also for me I am included. Yeah. I'm supposed to be included. Uh, whereas before, it's almost like, oh, there's going to have to be something special for me. Nobody ever took care of making sure that I will be included, etc. And here it's like, no, 
you are part of this. You are part of making technology advances and all of that kind of stuff. You are the 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 barriers to be removed are built in in the products. Uh, so it, there is that kind of absolutely representation yeah. by the technology. You are part of this. You are part of the technology community. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say here. 100%. I mean, it's mainstreaming adaptation. Yeah. And who yeah. who doesn't want to be mainstreaming? You know, you don't want to be this unusual guy who has to go to yeah. a specialist place. It adds cachet. It makes mm. it normal. In fact, it makes it cool. And other people might, like we've been talking about, want to use it as well. So 100%. I think that's really, really important. So as far as um, any exciting innovations that might be in the pipeline, is there you know, what's kind of on the table for where you might be going uh, with these amazing accessories in the future? Surfacing the content to more people and showing how you can use the adaptive accessories um, is also why we created the YouTube channel and sharing that out, sharing experiences, um, you know, the, the really kind of nice messages that are reaching me. Um, there's another... Um, a kid who is using the, and there will soon be a video on that too, using the um, adaptive buttons as the replacement of the mouse. Um, so um, he's not able to use a mouse. He's using uh, two buttons to uh, move the mouse cursor around. Uh, it's a boy who has CP as well. And I think, so cerebral palsy. And I think that is also very telling, right? My daughter has cerebral palsy. She's using a mouse. This boy is using the buttons mm. uh, to move the cursor around. So it really depends on your individual capabilities, what you're able to do, whatnot. I think that's also the flexibility and the nice character of this system. Mm -hmm. um, but being able to show more of these examples and surface more of these examples is something that... Um, can inspire so many other people on, hey, this is how I could use, um, you know, this system. Um, and, um, oh, my God, it's difficult to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So it was a good um, pause at system. Yeah. Um, so whether Michael needs to jump in there or anything. Yeah, I, I mean... What what an, another way of seeing this is this one size does not fit all, and and but because of the versatility of the ecosystem, uh, you know, people who share things don't necessarily mean that they want to work in the same way, and mm -hmm. and I think that is what the flexibility of the ecosystem allows. Uh, but if we then look at this, is about experiences, right? Experiences, uh, making sure that we we remove barriers, and I just. You know, I just want to add this thing, and I find this really exciting because we already have what we discussed here today, but then further advancements. And, and think about this also in the context of bringing it all together. Artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So uh, by all means, tell me if this shouldn't be part of this discussion, but I'll, <laughs> I'm just going to go a little bit further on this. It's a journey, right? And there's still much to do. And even with all these accessibility features in our products, there's still barriers. And I think artificial intelligence will solve two elements here. The first one is findability. Knowing what is there, 
how it can help you and when it can help you. The help and support for this. So this is about working how it suits you from an experience level. And then there's another element. I will give examples against this. And then there's another level. How about not only having technology help you like with what I just said, but it also allows you to focus just on your strengths and it does all the rest. A little example here, but I will go a little bit in more detail later on. So you could be a great designer, but giving the complete substance to your idea is, for example, getting the numbers to tell the story. That's not you. Or the opposite. You could be a real number person, but then bringing the message across to different mm -hmm. stakeholders. That's not you. So, uh, so that is not your strength. And this is where AI in the shape of co-pilot can and will make a difference. Now, I'm just going to give you two examples. And then I want you to bring that, those examples in that ecosystem, then also of the adaptive accessories. So the examples are, in summary, you will be able to ask Copilot, I've got loss of vision. Can you magnify this for me? Or what does this picture tell me? And in the same way for the adaptive accessories, as and when this will progress, we'll be able to say, right, what exactly needs to be reconfigured for me to, to help me exactly what I want to do in this case. So basically, you'll be getting a better user experience in, in a conversational way that works for you. That second style of examples, not just pure, how do I engage with a system? That second thing is conversationally, right, here are the numbers. I'm trying to show the return of investment of why people should implement this project. Can you draft me a communication and a PowerPoint to support this? And then you can add, oh, you know what? It's also the end of the financial year. We're in a great mood. Let's make it look a bit festive and fun. Boom. <laughs> Copilot will also do that for you. So take these things together with the adaptive accessories. Huh? You're literally removing barriers on so many levels. And that's what I love about this. You know, if you know the social model of disability, which is where disability is, is, is having to work or function in an environment not designed for us. So pre-adaptive accessories, you had a box standard mouse. And when you were left-handed or right-handed, you had the box standard mouse. Tough, uh, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And now suddenly we're getting into an ecosystem where with adaptive accessories and then with AI where all those barriers will be taken away for you. And you can just be your true best self and just focus on your strengths and the rest will be solved for you. And that's, that's the exciting advancement I, th I think we're we're looking at. I mean, that's that's so brilliant. AI, uh, for those who aren't aware, Copilot is Microsoft's brand for the AI that they're injecting into Windows, into different applications. And for that to be the additional level of personalization that will accommodate people's particular needs. And we're, you know, we have diverse needs, some of us more extreme in some areas. I love the idea of having a co-pilot for your mouse so that it automatically detects an essential tremor or a tremor due to Parkinson's or spasm movements, you know, that can then be dampened automatically as it learns how you try to control that particular device so 
absolutely love it. You know, you're you're double clicking a little bit uh, too slowly there and you don't always get it right. Let me compensate for that automatically and visibly. So absolutely love it. Um, John, did you want to add anything before we ask people where we can find out more info? <laughs> no, I think I think I totally agree with Michael and you. I think um, it increases the um, way... Um, it, it, it increases the uh, diversity of how we can interact with our devices in a more natural and multimodal way. Um, there's people that need a mouse. There's people that are going to use voice. My daughter's voice is affected quite a lot, so she won't be able to benefit from that that much. But it's how the system is able to tie what you can do together, which is very exciting. And mm-hmm. I think we're indeed at the start of an era that is going to be um, making that so much more natural and powerful. I can ask the system to set up my buttons as a mouse. I do not need to do it myself in the software. I just tell it to do that. That's incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super hopeful for the future uh, in this space and, um, my daughter's still very young, so uh, um, you know, really looking uh, forward to all that's ahead and what this technology uh, can bring uh, in this space. Fantastic, and I mean, I'm I'm sure we've all you know met or heard people with um, significant speech challenges or impairments who, you know, their assistant can understand them really well, but you know, we might need to take a while before we tune in. I'm very confident that the AI and technology will be able to take on that sort of superhuman level of, of comprehension of people with, you know, more extreme speech patterns and that voice recognition in the future won't be out of scope for, for people with significant speech challenges. So yeah, just thought I'd throw that in. (laughs) There won't be anything that technology won't be able to do Mm. um, going forward. So fantastic. So where can people check out more info about the adaptive accessories, the range of products that you're producing at the moment? Yeah, so I think if you search for the Microsoft Adaptive Accessories, um, you will uh, automatically find them, um, but also more broadly, Microsoft Accessibility. Um, uh, you can find uh, much more information about um, everything that Microsoft has to offer uh, in the space of accessibility. Um, Michael, do you want to chime in with more specifics there? Uh, yeah, I'm just wondering, uh, is it worth that we then attach maybe some links for you for mm-hmm. when you broadcast, publish the podcast, which might yeah. make it a little bit more easier to, for, to find it then, I suppose? Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll put some in the show notes. We'll um, gather those from you after, the, after we finished recording. So, yeah, look in the show notes, guys. Tap on the links. Um, fantastic. Unless anyone's got any other burning comments, we'll just say thank you very much indeed <laughs> to Michael and John. Really, really appreciate it. Keep up the brilliant work. Um, anything else breaking in the future, please? Um, well, we'll watch the the um, the tech news, the press, because being Microsoft, it will be there. Um, but you know, do let us know as well, and we'd love to have you back on as and when. And many congratulations again for your Tech for Good award uh, in this in this category. Really, really brilliant. 
Thank you, Roman. Well, yeah. Well, uh, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for having us, and thank you for this. Uh, and actually, thank you, John. <laughs> I would say, yeah. and the and the wider team, because uh, uh, you know, I, I I'm just uh, blessed with being such uh, with being with such great people. Really, <laughs> I'm I'm just a marketing person. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fantastic work. Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Rob McLean. I'm the Digital Inclusion Program Officer for AbilityNet in partnership with BT. So I'm reaching out today to ask for your help in contacting organisations, clubs and charities that would benefit from our free service. We want to find older people that need our help on how to use their phones, laptops, access digital appointments, pay for parking or video call their family the things that most of us take for granted every day, but our older generation, our parents and grandparents, feel they need our help with. As part of AbilityNet's partnership with telecommunications company BT Group, we're delighted to offer the opportunity for individuals and groups in a range of areas across the UK to take part in free workshops to improve the digital skills of older and digitally excluded people. Sessions are now available in Glasgow, Edinburgh, Birmingham, Manchester and London. If you're an individual aged 65 years old or over and could benefit from informal training to help use your computer or phone more effectively, or if you work with older people in an organisation or charity in those regions with clients who could benefit from digital skills training, apply now for our free training workshops at www.abilitynet.org.uk forward slash BT Digital Skills or call us free on 0800 048 7642. So how can I encourage my older relatives to learn how to use their phones more effectively? Where can I direct my elderly client to get support with using tech? How do I get help setting my laptop up to a printer. If any of these questions are on your mind or that of someone that you know, AbilityNet can help. <laughs>